You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to a bonus episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your delectable, deliciously disabled host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this bonus episode into your ear holes, shall we? Okay, so the reason that I wanted to do this episode, this bonus episode, is because I realized that yesterday, September 7th, 2021, was the fifth year anniversary of this show. And I thought, I have to celebrate that somehow. I have to share that somehow. And I have so much content that I recorded back in May, June. So much content that I was like, why don't I, why don't I just drop a bonus episode? And also because we won the Outstanding Adult Series last week, um, which is super cool, I thought we should go back to our roots and do one of my favorite type of series on the show, which was What Would Happen If You Became Disabled Tomorrow? So that's what we're going to do in this episode. And I found uh, an episode that I had done, recorded back in May, with my new friend, Papa Lobos, who is a Vancouver-based bisexual porn star who I recently had the luxury of doing a porn scene with. Now, back when we recorded this in May, we hadn't met yet or done any kind of um, scene work together, but since recording that, we've done a porn scene together and it was super hot and super sexy. And in this episode, I get to sit down with Papa Lobos and talk about what would happen if he became disabled tomorrow but also get to talk about some of the misconceptions he had around disability, some of the things he believed, some of the ways that his life would change. We talk about how his life as a performer would change, how his everyday life would change. We really get him to consider disability in a different way, and I really, really enjoyed doing that with him. Also, he's hot as fuck, and we flirted for the whole hour that we chatted together So it was a really good foreshadowing moment for me to realize, hey, I want to do a scene with this guy. He's really hot and really fun. And so we explore all those things and just have a chat and explore what would happen if this really hot by able-bodied porn star became disabled tomorrow. And I love being able to chat with him and I love being able to do that. So I wanted to bring you this bonus episode in your ear holes to commemorate our fifth year of being on the air and I want to say thank you all so much for sticking with me and for making Disability After Dark an award-winning podcast. I still can't believe it that we've been doing this five years and with all of our bonus episodes and all the different things we do, we're up over like 300 episodes and I, I also wanted to let you know that I will never put these episodes within a paywall because I feel like This community needs to have this stuff as accessible as possible to them. So while I have the Patreon and you'll get the show one day early, and if you ever you want to support that, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. But I will never keep episodes 
behind a paywall because I think that people just deserve to have access to these conversations and I'm excited to do that here. Thanks so much for all your support and I hope you enjoy this bonus episode. Lobo, hello. Hello. Hi, such a pleasure to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It feels so weird because I've seen you in so many various states of undress over the last... <laughs> we, we got to know each other on Twitter and it feels yes. weird that you're wearing clothes right now. <laughs> I know. It's, you know, sometimes it's kind of dependent on my mood. Sometimes it's like... I just well sometimes I need to wear clothes right and then sometimes I don't have to and it's like okay well (laughs) it just feels weird because I've seen all I've seen all the parts of you in various various (laughs) all the parts in all the parts so many parts (laughs) Um, I'm actually I was really I remember when you when you followed me on Twitter I I literally had to be like oh a really hot dude is following me on Twitter what happened? That never happened. What's <laughs> going on? And so when you were like, well, I've heard about you. I've heard about your work. Mm-hmm. And we started to get to know each other a bit. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Well, yeah, because like I, I, I followed you because I, like I said, like I'd heard of you and I've heard about the stuff that you've done and how vocal you are in terms of uh, how disabled people are viewed within the queer community. And I, I try and be some form of advocate for those who are generally kind of outcasted within the queer community because I've definitely noticed yeah. that it's very, it's very, it seems that the queer community in general is very geared towards a specific type of person. You know, you yeah. generally have to kind of be, you have to be pretty, you have to be aesthetically pleasing, you know, you have to like, you have to have certain characteristics. And so a lot of people that don't fall into those character characteristics are generally tossed to the side. And it's, you know, it's generally like people of color, it's trans people, uh, disabled people, uh, you know, people who are just generally gender non-conforming, like those kinds of people, even though they're, they're actively a piece of the community, but they're not generally included in the community, which I think is the problem. And, the, and I followed you because yeah. I was like, yeah, this person is very vocal about that. And I like that. And I want to give this person a platform to be able to like, you know, do more kind of thing. Oh, thank you. I was just, I remember, I remember seeing you follow me on Twitter and I literally was like, what is happening? This person is very attractive. What? <laughs> I don't know. What? And so we, then we got to know each other and we started chatting a bit. And I, I also appreciate that you're, you know, uh, a performer of color and you, you work mm-hmm. in as both an escort and as a porn performer well i'm not an escort oh i don't do i don't do me no that's okay that's okay i don't do full service i just do purely uh pornography and uh online content i used to do escorting like seven seven years ago i did it and it was fine but then it just kind of went away and i just stopped doing it um yeah yeah but no uh, i i just do online content and you're also, and I think this is right, you're also bisexual, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes, I, just, I am. I felt like that was important to highlight because we don't talk a lot about bisexuality enough in our yeah. community and it's often er- erased. So I felt like mm-hmm. we just should talk about that more. Yeah, there's 
there's a lot more of us than people really think, which is the funny thing because it's like, you're right. Like generally, like, especially within the gay community, like bisexuals are very much like, I'm saying like a lot. I got looked down upon. Well, it's not just looked down upon. It's that just dismissed in general. Right. Because there's that whole, it's that whole joke of like, you're bi now you're gay later. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you're going to, you're gonna come yeah. out as just full gay later, and it's just mm-hmm. a, it's a it's a phase you're going through as you realize you only like this this gender presentation. And it's like, well, first of all, no, that's not fair. That's hugely an erasure. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting because similarly to why I wanted to bring that up is because not in the same vein, but similarly to the like dismissal, disabled people are also dismissed in terms of like just being sexual and having this identity in queer spaces so i felt it was just something we could explore yeah there is a parallel it's there is there is a parallel they're not exactly the same i don't think because i still think that even though bisexual people are generally dismissed there is still a level of privilege in that only because yeah generally we can't we are viewed as you know able-bodied and that sort of thing but there is definitely a privilege in that because again we don't fit the norm so just we're just kind of cast aside yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it's definitely like, uh, I'm fortunate in that. And I think it's because I think it's because I present in a homosexual relationship because I have a, I have a male partner. And so I present in a gay relationship. And so generally people just kind of assume I'm gay, but then if I, but when I correct them or when I tell them actually I'm bisexual, then they're kind of like, Oh, okay, they're kind of taken aback by it, but then they don't, we don't really talk about it any further. Not that it needs to be talked about further than that. It's more just, I'm just trying to show that visibility, be like, yeah, like we exist, you know? And just cause I'm in a gay relationship doesn't mean I don't like, I don't like spending some time with, you know, with femmes or, you know, femme presenting people, you know, I, I still find them very, very attractive and I enjoy being sexual with them at the same time. I'm very, I'm one of those uh, 50-50 by, by people in that I'm like right in the middle. I have an equal attraction to both men and women, both sexually and uh, romantically, so. Nice. Well, mm-hmm. I brought you on the show today because A, I want to talk to hot dudes on my show and that's sometimes <laughs> what I do. Also, because I wanted to, because you know, you've been following me for about over a year now. And so we've been, we've been you've seen some of the stuff I've chatted, talked, talked. Yes. Let me try, let me try words again. I've seen, you've seen some of the things I've talked about regarding disability. And I do this thing on yeah. my show, this, these kind of episodes that are called what would happen to you if you became disabled tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, I do them specifically within queer identified people to get them to explore the ableism within our community, mm-hmm. within the LGBTQ plus community. And I figured since you have a prominent following on the social media, that you and also plus I just like you as a person that we could actually have you on the show. So here we are. Uh, let me start my let me start my questions for you then. Um, cool. um so you, as far as we know, don't identify as disabled, right? I do not. Cool. Um do you, could you so I, I wanted to explore that because you're a non-disabled person. Um uh, can you do you have any um myths or misconceptions about disability that you may have believed that you we could talk about i don't think i do anymore i think i used to have a lot of like the inherent biases that were present in uh 
like when I used to look at disabled people, not necessarily as lesser than, it was a lot, uh, I used to look at disabled people definitely as with a, with a sense of pity and with a sense of, I feel sorry for this person. Uh, yep. Only because I had my biases, you know, in the idea that like, oh, because I can do these things, I feel sorry for this person who can't, you know? And so I think uh, it was a lot of that more than anything else. But then just slowly as I would, I just, as I just grew older and as I learned, and especially as I met more disabled people in, in various levels of disability, uh, yep. I, I really learned like, oh no, like these people just are, they just want to exist the same way that everyone else does. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm in a much better, I think I'm in a much better place now with how I view people who are disabled. And so, yeah, like I've, I've definitely come across like disabled people in the bars before, you know, and it's like, uh, I've made, I try my best to make some room if they need, you know, if, if, if someone's in an automated chair, for example, and they need to get through the bar, I try and at least, you know, like push people out of the way so that they have room to move. Because I feel, I feel like a lot of times people don't really acknowledge it. And so they're like, you'll see groups of people like standing there and someone in a chair will come up and they're like trying to get through the bar, but they can't because people won't fucking move. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, you, just, it's like, just let this person get to the bar. <laughs> just let them get to the bar. So. Have you considered the possibility that they were coming up to you because they wanted to say hi? To you? Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't, it wasn't that they were coming up to me. It was that they were literally just passing through the bar. Like, and I just noticed that nobody was moving to let them through. And so I just was like, guys move so that they can, you know, so that they I mean, can I've, pass. I've had the experience at the bar where I was going out to talk to the hot guy. And instead of, instead of thinking that, I was going to go talk to him. He was like, oh, let me just, uh, I'll move all these people out of the way. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to talk to you. And now you're moving. Oh, you know, okay. Okay. So, so maybe there were some people that were like, I went to talk to Lobo, but then <laughs> he he went into super helper mode. Um, which is, <laughs> I guess that's which, like, a, that's a sense of, maybe that's uh, a sort of like internalized um like heroism that I'm trying that I, that I'm trying to do and that I'm trying to be helpful, but it's also. I mean, I think dismissive. I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people do that without even realizing that they want to mm -hmm. help, because we're they're taught that whether whether explicitly or implicitly, they're taught that disabled people are less than, less fortunate, mm -hmm. blah blah, whatever the story is. And they can't so do things when, for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and so when we see them we're supposed to help. So you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing you would go to help, but I'm saying the next time you go to do that, consider first if the, the person might be like, I'm actually trying to come say hi to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, definitely, I'll definitely take that into consideration next time for sure. But let's go back to like some of the other conceptions you may have had yes. about disability. Cause I'd love to explore like what they were and then just talk about how you have to, to help you not do that going forward or understand how how you how you changed yes from then to now um like in terms of like how i made the transition yeah but before you go there let's go let's go to like some of the stuff you may have have heard about disability in your life before this that oh you uh, yeah no it was like it was just uh it was just mainly just that uh like I said before, it was kind of a sense of pity because these people required assistance just to be able to do the simplest things. Um, you know, whether yeah. that's uh, whether that's something as simple as you know they need assistance walking or they need help 
uh, with chores around the house, or, you know, in some cases they need assistance in the bathroom, you know, like things like that. It used to be like a sense of pity. Uh, but I've, I've gotten better now, at least I think, and I hope I've gotten better at like not feeling pity and just feeling a sense of this is just that person's reality. And that doesn't, that doesn't make them any less than, you know, cause like everybody needs help in some way. Some people yeah. just need, you know, different levels of help. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Tell me a little bit about, uh, well, because one of the questions that I like to ask all the people that come on this version of the show is like, what would happen if you became a wheelchair user tomorrow? So let's go there for a second. So um, what, so when, when, when you first saw the question in the questionnaire, like what would happen if you became a wheelchair user tomorrow? Were you like, whoa, that's a deep question. Like, how do I answer that? Yeah, a little bit, just because it is something that I've never actually thought about. I've, I've thought about what, what, what would happen to me at getting older and needing more and more help. And part of it is uh, I've, I've told myself that I, and this, and this is probably like uh, a little bit of uh, like the ableism in me is that like, I've told myself, I, I don't want to get to the point of where I would need to have uh, that kind of assistance only because it is so foreign to me. And I feel like I would be, I would be scared and I would be scared to be a bigger burden on other people. And I think that's, uh, I think that's something that I need to wrestle with in, uh, internally in, in that if it were to happen to me, it's not necessarily the end of my life you know, there's like, I would still be yeah. able to do things. Right. And I, and I think it's, it also depends on uh, like what kind of wheelchair user, like, am I, uh, am I a wheelchair user in that I still have full mobility of my upper body, you know? And uh, cause if that were the case, then, you know, bits of my life would change in that I would be a little more hyper aware of how I would need to get around places. Cause you know, I would need to have to get through uh, places that are wheelchair accessible uh, I would need to change gyms because of course uh, my, my gym doesn't actually have wheelchair accessibility, which is, which. Well, you probably sucks. couldn't realistically let, you probably couldn't realistically go to the gym realistically. Well, that depends. It, it depends on the level of disability. I mean, like if I'm a wheelchair user in, in that, I still have just like an, um, uh, I don't upper know what. They're yeah. In that I still have use of my upper body. I would still go to the gym. I would just hit upper body because I've seen people, yeah. I've seen people work out who are, wheelchair users like at the gym like I, I know so I know it's possible I've seen various levels yeah. of people with disability in the gym I've seen people with uh who are amputees I've seen people who have um what's it I don't know what it's called but um like there's a guy at my gym who has one full arm and uh, his other arm is um was never fully developed so he had the limb difference yeah uh like and he's he's still in the gym he, he has um he has like a strap that helps him to be able to use the other arm uh, the same way as he uses his uh, his fully developed arm. Um, I've seen yeah. people with cerebral palsy in the gym before. Uh, not not wheelchair, not uh, not who were in automated chairs, but uh, folks who were able to stand. So like, I know that it depends on the level of disability. And I think uh, for me, because the gym is such an important part of my life, I would tr do my best to try and uh, implement it as well and 
to however degree that I could, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and I, th and I think that goes with, sorry, sorry. Uh, um, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say, uh, I think that goes with, if I were to go into a fully automated chair, I think that would still be the same across the board. I mean, the trouble with going to any like standard gym as a, as a fully automated chair user mm. is that nothing is accessible. Nothing like they would, you would have to go to the gym and roll in there in your 300 pound chair and be like, excuse me, you have to like move the equipment or they, you know, you'd have to find, you may have to do weight training using like, like those, um, tensor, not tensor, but you know, those like those, yeah, like resistance bands. Yeah. You'd have to do that instead of using the equipment. Cause a lot of the equipment, like I, I remember going to the gym and, and yeah. having a, a hell of a time trying to navigate just getting my chair yeah. in the in the spaces yeah and that's and that's and that's true and that's a, unfortunately a sad reality in some in some spaces i think the i think the bigger gyms like the like the bigger bigger warehouse gyms uh would be better suited for that because they have the space and i mean like if i if it comes down to where i need to use resistance bands then i mean then that's just what i would need to do right and uh Again, like this is uh, this is just me coming from my perspective and my you know my my privileged abled perspective in that like and maybe and maybe because of just the fact that I have I you know I used to be a personal trainer and so I'm aware of the different of different variations and stuff like if I can't if I could never do like bench press again then yeah I, I would feel bad about it but as long as your move as long as your body is physically moving in the same way it still does the same yeah. thing, right? And so it's just a matter of, yeah, I may not be able to use the same equipment as I did before, but as long as my body is physically moving in the same motion, because ultimately that's all that matters, then, you know, that's that's what that would be. Then, yeah, I think that would be okay. What, At least maybe for and me. So, so in what other ways, like, tell me a little bit more about your day-to-day -day stuff that you do. And then I wanted to see how, being a wheelchair user might be impacted by that. Like, what do you do in, in your day that isn't just the gym? I mean, nowadays I don't really do anything. Um, just because, like, I don't really have much of a job. I mean, um, okay. So before uh, the world shut down, um, let's see. Before, uh, you know, well, my my normal, my quote unquote, my muggle job is uh, I work for my dad's company. Uh, he owns a building maintenance company. And so I know for a fact that like, that would just be, I wouldn't be able to do that at all. Yeah, uh, I can tell you 1000%, yeah. that's the, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, cause it requires so. a lot of physical labor. So that, that I wouldn't be able to do. Um, I'm to and from the gym, uh, I go out to the bars. I would try and I would, I would try and do that. I, it's, it's better here in Vancouver because Vancouver, our spaces are, the majority of our spaces are accessible, but the good, the good ones, <laughs> like the good clubs yeah. are accessible. Uh, and so like, I would still go out, I'd still go out. I'd still, you know, hang out and see people and see shows. I would still do that. I think you'd find in terms of like the bars, I think you'd find even though it's physically accessible there, like, and I know there's a bar where you are, the, the pump jack mm -hmm. is, is very, very accessible for yeah. wheelchair users and, and mobility users of all types. But I found when I was there, the attitude of the people in the place because I was disabled changed. So even though yeah. the, even though it was accessible and I could get in there, I still, like I do in most queer male spaces, 
didn't feel super included. And even if I tried to be like chill and cool and do everything else that everybody else was doing. And I was there about five years ago. I remember being there being like, well, I'm here, but I'm still hitting the same walls that I would hit if, if I wasn't there. Like this, I'm, yeah. in the, I'm in the space, but I still don't feel included. So you might yeah. find that if you were a wheelchair user, like no matter how charismatic or sexy you were, they, people still wouldn't talk to you because they don't know, yeah. they wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah, well, and, and maybe part of it is because uh, is in just being someone who's new to the bar in general, like that's, and I, I've experienced that like in other bars before, like when I've traveled is that like people generally don't talk to you if you're like just a new random person who just shows up out of nowhere. Um, but for sure, like I do think that the fact that you coming in as a, dis as a disabled person into the bar probably like took people uh, took people aback, not just because you're a new random person in the bar that they've never seen before, but also because you are disabled. And so like, I think that's kind of a double hitter, which sucks, yeah. which shouldn't happen in general. But I think that's like, it was like a twofold thing as opposed to just being the fact that you're disabled. I mean, like maybe if you were someone who was a little more, uh, a little more well-known or a little more common within the city and within the community, I like people would probably warm up to you a little better and they would you would find that yeah. maybe the walls would start to come down a little bit but that's also probably just my own like wishful thinking <laughs> and in that like I hope that's how people would act kind of thing so I mean I wish but yeah but, so I'm, I'm just saying for you if you were a power chair user or any kind of chair user mm -hmm. you might find it you might find it um just hard to navigate probably I mean like yeah yeah because like people don't people they get like they get gut reactions when they see people who are disabled right and like i know yeah. for me i still i still do um for whatever Tell reason me more about that like what's it, it, your, I, your... I don't know it's like it's really hard to explain it's just like it's it's like this weird gut reaction and i don't think it comes from a negative place but for some reason it's just like oh that that's a disabled person i think it's like this like that's a disabled person so i so i should feel a sense of pity for them and also weirdly enough like I'm kind of glad I'm not in that position myself and I, and it comes from various places of like a fear of uh of uh, just lack of knowledge and lack of experience and that sort of thing right let's go down the fear angle a little bit because I like I like that a bit and I like kind of going to those dark weird places what is the part of disability and you know it's called disability after dark so let's go down the dark place what what part of disability and what part of like what part of the fear do you have? Uh, I think it's just a fear that I wouldn't be able to do the things that I normally do. Like we, like we talked about, like I wouldn't be able to go to the gym normally like I would. Um, another big passion I have is performance. And so it's like, okay, well, would I be able to perform in front of people anymore? Like what level of my disability is it? Am I still, be able, to, am I still able to speak? Uh, am I still able to sing? Cause like, if I, yes, if I yes. can't, if I can't dance, that's fine. I'm not a big dancer. I mean like, yeah, I go, go dance when bars are a thing, but if I can't go, go dance anymore, that's then as long as I can still they go can, out, I'll be fine. They can get you up on the box. I can't dance either. And it's, I do, I do a thing, which I'm actually doing for Toronto pride uh, in a couple of weeks. Well, I'll, I'll be taping it soon, but I'm they're airing it for Toronto pride. And I'm doing this thing where I'm going to pick a song and just dance like a ridiculous person for six minutes and oh, that's it's great not, it's not choreographed at all it's gonna look horrible and i'm fully aware of that but i'm doing it because they want you know disability representation so you yeah. could 
dance. Okay, well, there you go. So that's something. But I I guess I mean, like, in terms of, like, choreographed dance. Like, I can't, I couldn't, like, do choreographed dance. You could still do, no, you could still do that. You just have to, you would just have to. I would have to adjust. Coordinate your chair to whatever it's (laughs) like. I, I know people in L.A. who who do like wheelchair choreo dancing so it is totally oh, possible it just okay there, then yeah that's it would, awesome it would that's take great some adjustment uh yeah i would take which you know if if that were my life then i would have to right like i can't just not um but yeah i think the big thing would just be how would my ability to perform suffer and if it would because like like to perform performing in front of people being on stage and and singing for people is my is my biggest passion it's the thing that i love the most doing the most and so i think the fear is like would i be able to do that and if i were to lose that that's something that i feel would that's something that i'm genuinely afraid of just in general not even necessarily like in terms of going down the the disability route but like let's say tomorrow i get throat cancer and i can't and you know like and suddenly oh yeah no singing voice is gone speaking voice is gone like everything else i can do i can dance i can move but i can't sing right and singing for me is like that's that's everything like I my dream is to be a performer slash sex worker like is to my main bread and butter I would love to be able to perform for people and then just do sex work on the side so yeah Uh, (laughs) okay so to be a performer if you were a wheelchair user you'd probably also you talked about wanting to be on stage you'd probably also have to contend with a lot of inaccessible stage spaces Mm-hmm. getting a lot of performance spaces to put a ramp up because yeah. when I've done drag and when I've done performance pieces in my wheelchair, you'd be surprised how many spaces I've gone to and they'd be like, okay, oh yeah, we didn't get you a ramp to get up on the stage. You can just do it on the ground, right? And it's like, well, I can, but that's not the point. The point is like- Yeah, the those- point is, yeah. The point is that I want to be able to do it up there like everyone else can. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, you talked about being a- you know, being a performer, you should go on TikTok. There are a bunch of disabled performers who do like the dances who do so you could totally transform your performative self into a different way, I think. Okay. It might not be on a stage, but seriously, if you go on like disability TikTok, there are a bunch of like disability people who do dances, who do like comedy, who do mm-hmm. all the stuff that we do on the on a stage, on the social media stage. Okay. Well, yeah. So then, well, that's good. I mean, like, yeah, if, if there are other avenues, then I would, I would absolutely explore them. And, you know, I would, I would have to, because again, like whatever state, whatever, however I end up, whatever happens to my body, if I can't perform, then that's it. Then you might as well just unplug me. <laughs> and that's just, that's just across the board. That's just across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, rest assured there are there are definitely disabled performers who do stuff so you don't worry about that well that's good to know um let's move let's move into your sex life yourself because yes yes because yes. i wanted to touch on that how do you think i've i've watched some of your stuff uh-huh. um wow i have feelings <laughs> <laughs> uh it's all i really i like your style how do you think if you were a wheelchair user let's say for the moment you're a power chair user how do you think your how do you think your sex life would change um well just from what i understand i know my sex life would diminish just because i know that disabled people in general are 
unfortunately viewed as not being very sexual. And so I know for a fact it would diminish. Um, doing the sex work specifically would probably, I could probably still do it. It would just be a little more difficult only because I would have to find people who are comfortable with filming with me in the first place. And yeah, yeah cause like, I know, I know it's possible to do it. I know I'd be, I know I would be able to have sex. It would be, it, it is possible. It's more a navigation of uh, the people that I'd be filming with more than anything. And I'd, and I'd probably have to have like, I mean, it would probably just be easier if I had like a camera person just to actually. Yeah. And that's or on the professional get, stage. Like what I've done with, with the workers that I film with is I'll get them to put the camera on a stand or I'll get them to mm. like, yeah. set it up. So there are, there are ways to do it. Um, yeah. I also think, you know, given, and I've seen your scenes, they're very, you're very active in them. They're very like, they're intense. They, they, yeah. Involves yeah. A lot of like, <laughs> well, that's just, a lot of yeah. Movement yes. Of you, and I think that would change a little bit. I oh, mean, for sure. I have one move and it's the dead turtle, which is me on my back, <laughs> unable to move. So yeah. <laughs> you might have to, um, you know, you might have to adapt your screen presence to be less about like physical ability and more about like, your charm and your like intellectual sexiness and the way you charm the person to like blow you or something. I don't know. I'd probably just be more vocal. I mean, which is, it's never (laughs) a bad thing. No, I mean, I just mean like, I'd probably just be more vocal and demanding and just be like, like, all right, I'm ready to go. Are you? Let's do this. Come on, hop on. What are you doing? Get on. (laughs) What are you doing? Get on. (laughs) Yeah, you could be a dis- you could be a disabled dom. I'm down for that. That's yeah, definitely. I mean, like that's 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 actually like where my head went. It's like you know what? If 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 the only thing that I could do is is from a lying lying down position, then yeah, I would basically just have to be in order to because because I, I I very much have a dominant energy and I, and I that's where I I sit happiest is when I is when I am being dominant. Um, and so I definitely would just channel that into being more vocal as opposed to being more physical than what yeah. I normally do. You, you might also find that you your you become a switch because I, you know, in my in my life, like if you were disabled and you had caregivers and people coming in and doing your care twenty four hours, you know, twenty four hours a day, you have to tell them exactly what to do all the time, and that can be. Believe yeah. me, when you when you get the chance to be sexual, like when I'm with my sex workers, I don't want to tell them what to do. I want them to tell me what to do, and like so, yeah. I it'll often switch. And so you might find that your proclivity to be dumb would change. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. I mean, like people like switches are switches. That they, they're completely valid, whoever they are. And uh, I mean, like I've I've thought about like. Uh, exploring more of my submissive side anyway and I mean like if that's a way to do it then that's a way to do it right like you do what you can <laughs> yeah exactly um are there any other ways that your life would change if you were to become a wheelchair user um I mean I'm just trying to think of like uh I mean realistically it's really just like those those big things I mean I would probably have to go on disability assistance financially. Um, yeah, which I hear in Vancouver is. I have no idea. I honestly don't know. A, 
It's well, from what I've heard, it's quite a bitch. Wow. It's not enough to, it's barely enough to survive. So be prepared to eat a lot of, be prepared to eat a lot of soup and frozen dinners because that that would probably be what you'd be able to afford. Wow, and that's that's just a pro, that's just a problem uh, on a generally on a, with yeah, just in general governmentally, that's just an issue. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to have someone care for me. Which is something I would have to I'd have to get over that hang up. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that some more. How do you feel like like for me being born with disabilities, care having someone take care of me has been a part of my day to day since I was born, basically. Yeah. So it's just become a part of my day to day. I know for a lot of people who acquire their disabilities, having to let somebody else into their world can be really traumatic and really hard and you're just challenging. How do you think, given your personality and, and you've, you know, I've seen you on the social media and I've talked to you a little bit, so I know you're very mm-hmm. outgoing. How do yeah. you think your personality would handle that? Um, I think I would eventually just accept it because I would have to, I would have to, I would have to accept that that's the reality and that's just what's going to have to happen. I know, I know in the beginning, I would definitely feel bad about it uh, because yeah. I would just have to get over the fact that, you know, like, yes, someone is having, someone is helping me. Someone has to help me uh my whole my whole thing uh has been about not wanting to get to the point where I've needed to have somebody help me all the time just because I feel like just because of the sense of being a burden um but then I have to remember that these people that's literally their job their their job is to care for people and and they and they want to most of them and they they want to they want to make sure you're happy and believe me there are moments with my caregivers that I'm like, I fucking hate this. This is the worst. <laughs> I want this to be over. But like, we, you know, we, and I live with IBS and I live with a bunch of other disabilities that are not <laughs> just being a wheelchair user. So there's a whole bunch of moments where I fucking hate it. But, you know, then they come in and we make each other laugh and we move on and we get it done and it's fine. So I think you would manage, I think just, you know, you talked a lot about, you've said a couple of times during this interview that like, you don't want to get to a point where you need that stuff. I think, I would love to to encourage you to think differently about that because all of us are going to need that at some point. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to ask a need for help. Yeah. And I, some of the thing, one of the things that I say a lot of my social media is that asking for help from somebody is a whole other form of independence and a whole other form of of being of being your own person by being able to say, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to ask somebody for help. Mm-hmm. So here's a question I have for you then. Okay. Uh, does it does it really, because part of why I'm so adamant about being physically active and being in the gym, aside from the fact that I want to achieve a certain look and a certain body type and stuff like that, is part of it is I want to be able, I want to make sure that going into like my, like my later years, my 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe even 80s, I, I still want to be able to have the strength and ability to do normal everyday things does it make me does it kind of make me like a, a quote a bad person or ableist in order uh for wanting for not wanting to get to that point of where like may, maybe like I need a walker or you know I need a scooter and stuff like that I definitely think there's ableism in there I definitely mm-hmm. think that's something you might want to explore and if you want help like unpacking that with me at some point I'd love to like sit down with you off off camera and just have a chat because but I think you know all of us have that stuff like I think 
there's I, what I say to people all the time, and I'll say to you here because I think it's relevant. Ableism is doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you this horrible, like, evil person that hates all disabled people. All of us have it. I do ableist things all the time too. So it doesn't mean having this idea that you don't want to become sick doesn't make you bad, but it is, there are tinges of ableism in there that you might want to explore because mm. even if you're the most fit, sexiest dude in Vancouver or, mm. you know, online and you do all these things, tomorrow you could become a stroke survivor. You could have, yeah. you know, different disabilities that pop up out of nowhere. And so thinking understanding that we will all become disabled at some point whether we want to or not is how i think you and many others should navigate their world because like i was born with disabilities and i a couple years ago and i've said this on the show a million times but i'll say it again i've lost the ability to pee myself and i've mm-hmm. lost the ability to do certain things and i've like that affected how i felt about my manhood of how i felt about my sexuality which is part in part why i started using they and he pronouns i mean mm-hmm. What I'm saying is disability will hit you whether you're ready for it or not. Yeah. And you just have to kind of ride the wave. But wanting to stay fit, there is some ableism in there, but mm-hmm. it doesn't, I want to reiterate that it certainly doesn't make you a bad person. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, like if if the table, like let's say the tables are turned and you and you did have your your disabled issues solved. Let's say you woke up one morning and suddenly you didn't have to be in a power chair or you didn't have any of the IBS or any issues that you had how would you navigate your life how would you feel if that were to happen look at you turning the tables on the big on the big question I like that though plot twist um oh fuck I would yeah. uh, I can tell you I, I would I would go for a run because mm-hmm. I've never done that in my whole life I would don't you know, bother they're dumb <laughs> I'd still, I'd still want to do it. I'd still want to try. Um, as as someone I who would... can run, running is really not all that exciting. It's it, it <laughs> your your ankles hurt, your knees get fucked. Uh, it's pointless. You're better off going, if anything, on a bike. So I would. I'm so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would do that. I'd, I'd also love to like. I'd love to like jump, just a jump really high, and like I've never mm. done that. I just don't know what it's like. I'd love to like, you know, do some of that stuff. And I think also in terms of my sex life, wow, the things that I would do, I would do all the things I can't do right now. Um, I would, you know, I would go to all the clubs I can't get into. Yeah. I'd go to, I'd like, you know, go to glory holes. I'd go to all these different types of things that I can't do because most of my sex life right now is with sex workers who I love and I appreciate and they're great, but it's, I love the 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 chance to be super slutty without without having to. Oh, I'm in a wheelchair. Is that okay? Is it all right? Yeah, does, it, yeah, yeah. does it bother you having to give them the space to be uncomfortable? And I just like as horrible as it is to say, I'd want to be your typical cis gay dude who doesn't give a fuck and does all all the things. Maybe not forever. Maybe just for like 24 hours. But I would definitely <laughs> yeah. want to try that out. Just be a giant hoe for for a weekend. Yeah, for just like a good twenty four hours. It's just be a <laughs> big slut because I have big slut energy right now, but I never get the chance to explore that explore because it, yeah. people are afraid. Yeah, which is something that, like you know, I think just needs to be examined within the community, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that, that, that's an issue just on the whole that needs to be examined. Which I think I mean, is, there are a lot of yeah. there are a lot of issues on the whole we could examine. Speaking yeah. of that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of on the whole, uh, yes. you do you've done a lot of like on camera sex work. Yes, I've, I've watched some of it, and I got a I got a preview of one of your videos the other week, and it was super nice. Yes. Um, I maybe came all over the place after watching it, but oh, good, then but, it worked. Then it, then it was worth it, it. it. It had the desired effect. Yes. Um, but I wonder, have you considered ever doing a scene with a disabled person? I, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, if as long as like, as long as the vibe was there, and as long as myself and the other person we got along, if we vibed and and it worked, and then yeah, and then all that we would really need to figure out is uh, just logistics in terms of like how things like we. I, I feel like it would be a little bit more planning than than usual. Only because we had to would. figure out, like, uh, sorry, it would. Yeah, well, just because like we would have to figure out what positions are okay, what positions are not. You know, uh, kind of figure out from those positions what angles we would need to get. So, like, yeah, just it would require a little bit extra planning. But ultimately, I mean, that's that's fine if it needs a little extra planning. That's okay. That's that's a conversation like that can be done in like ten minutes. You know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, like the. the because ultimately there, there really isn't, I, I, I don't feel like there is that much of a difference because bottom line, it all just comes down to sex. And even then the sex can be whatever you want it to be. It, it doesn't even need to be penetrative sex. It could, uh, it could be purely oral. It could be uh, mutual masturbation. It could be so, there are so many different variations of sex. And so it could ultimately not even be a full-on penetrative sex scene, which is fine, right? So yeah, like there are different ways to do that. And then, yeah, so yeah, I, I would I would do it. Is there any uh, part of you in thinking about that and doing that scene, is there any part of that, that that's exciting to you? Um, like in terms of, like sexually exciting or, or just exciting from like a both let's say both um sexually exciting probably not just because it probably wouldn't be all that much different because again like if, if we vibe then the sexual energy will be there right that's ultimately what matters and what makes the difference um but in terms of general excitement i think it, i think i would be excited only because it would be something new and it would be something you know and you know i would i guess to a degree i would be doing my part in helping to bring uh, the sexual aspect of disabled people more into, I would, I, I would kind of be using my privilege in order to, in order to do that, in order to help disabled people be like, yeah, like this guy had sex with a disabled person. So like it, it, to kind of assist in validating them. Yeah. Also you'd be showing no other non-disabled people that like, Disabled people can suck dick like champions. Watch. Yeah. There's a whole video of how they did it. Yeah. Um, is there any part of that hypothetical scenario? You know, it won't be a hypothetical after we meet each other, but, but <laughs> is there any part of that hypothetical scenario that's like that's like scary for you? Um nothing that immediately comes to my head. I mean, like, if anything, maybe I'd be afraid with how people would perceive the video. But then at the same time, I'm like, 
if you're having issues with the fact that I'm having sex with a disabled person, then that's something that you need to look into on your own. That's, that's clearly something that you, that's, that's a problem that you have with yourself. It's not yeah. a problem with me. I don't have a problem with this. Clearly, you know, like I'm choosing to fuck this person. Ergo, I don't have a problem with this. So, and then, and then like, and then those are just people that I feel like I wouldn't want to engage with. Cause it's like, if you really have that much of a problem with seeing somebody have sex with a disabled person that is an able-bodied person, like, what does that say about you? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, how would you, cause, cause, okay, let's use me as the example. I would need help <laughs> positioning and like, <laughs> I would need help with certain things of, of the the scene would require that you 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 move into me to do whatever it is we're doing well that's fine like i i'm i'm again like going back and like into into the uh and when we were talking earlier about the the, um where i feel comfortable like i feel comfortable in the dominant role and so like i've definitely like i've definitely done that before (laughs) like even with able-bodied people like i've definitely been like okay we're gonna change this so i just I pull out, I flip them over, and then I go back in again. Like, that's just normal sex to me. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think given, I'm just, again, using me as, like, the body example. Yeah. Given my level of, given my level of specificity and my level of, like, tightness in my body, pro tip, don't just <laughs> don't just flip me over. It would have to be okay, a lot more fair, controlled. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, but it again, like. It would have to be a lot more controlled, yeah. Yes, but that's where we would discuss, like what positions are okay to do and what positions are not right and, and you so know like, you asked me you asked me a second ago what i would want to do if i were able-bodied um well that's you know being just flipped over and like i watch it in gay porn all the time they just you just lift your legs up and you just do all these things and you just there's no you don't you do that a second thought and i'm so jealous of that because that's something like as a disabled person that loves the idea of getting railed <laughs> i'll just be really honest I love the idea of getting railed and I will never be able to do that because it takes so much planning and so much discussion. Like sometimes I want to shut the fuck up and just do it. And it's so yeah, yeah. frustrating that I don't get to, I don't get to do that. I, it ends up being this well choreographed like scene or this like thing together, which is great and fine. But I do have fantasies of like, we don't have to say a word to each other. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, and that is great, but like I will even say, like even in like able-bodied sex, like having those conversations is still a thing. So like even in the times where I've where I have done that sort of thing, where I've been like flipping people and like moving them in various positions, sometimes you can't do that without talking. Sometimes you have to be like, uh, you know, like let's say like I'm in I'm 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 in a missionary position with someone. You know, and we're going, we're going, we're going, and it's like, you know what? I want to, I want to change to a different position. I, I would, I would generally like vocalize that, be like, "How are you feeling? You good? You want to switch? Let's switch," kind of thing. And so, like, there's like those conversations still happen. I think the, I think it's that like, it would just be a slightly different conversation. Like, if I were, if I were to be with, uh, like with, like with you, I think the difference would be, okay, I want to switch this position. Are you comfortable? How do you feel? uh where does your leg need to go you know or like you know can you lie on your back can you lie on your stomach you know like things like that you know and and again those would be conversations that would be done ahead of time figuring out which which positions are okay and which ones are not so so yeah like I think there are slight slight parallels in terms of vocalization when it comes to sex whether it's within disabled sex or enabled sex um 
because like those conversations are still they're still happening right I guess for me the disabled and they just feel so much more prevalent because and again you and I have talked about this offline like what we see in porn is not it's not necessarily what real sex is like also yeah there's that too yeah like 100 like what happens in porn is like very rarely what's actually real because because yeah, like the thing about the, happening yeah the thing about the thing about um porn is that so much of it depending on the studio depending on the person but in general when you are when it is with like a studio those things are fully planned out like those shoots take like six eight hours because you have to do like you got to do one position, then you got to go into another, and then you got to stay in that position. And then it's like, you kind of pre-plan which positions you're doing. You're yeah. pre-planning how long you're going to be in those positions for. So like, it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of planning when it comes to studio porn. You'd be surprised. So, so kind of what you're saying, if, if, if studios could get over their own ableism about marketing that shit, because disabled people have to plan everything anyway, what you're saying is that so many of us could be porn stars if ableism wasn't a thing. Oh, 100 percent. Because like, yeah, because like so, all, all that shit, you, you plan everything anyway. Any studio heads listening, uh, I'm available. <laughs> yes. I'm a big dick. I'll do a shoot. Just let me know. <laughs> Just let me know. <laughs> um, I want to go back. I want. I like to when you flip the tables, and I also want to give you a chance to ask any questions you had about disability uh-huh. that might. You know, I just I love giving non-disabled people the chance to talk about this stuff and ask questions that they might have thought were super offensive and you mm. do it in a safe space where it feels safe to do that. Did you have any like burning disability questions or things you were curious about? Not really. I feel like I've just kind of already asked them. Like one of the big things that I had was was what I mentioned before about uh, the reason I want to stay so physically active for the majority of my life is because I, I want to be I, I, I want to remain able bodied for as long as I can be. And, you know, me having to wrestle with the fact that that's not, that might not be the reality, you know, like maybe 10 years down the line, I get into an accident and I become a paraplegic, you know? So it's like, uh, cause you're right. Ultimately the reality is anything can happen. I could lose, I could lose a limb at some point and I'm suddenly I'm an amputee. You know, it's like the reality is that nothing is really certain. And so I think I have to adjust my mindset and I have to think that, you know, I stick to the gym and I stick to being physically active for myself and just for wanting to, at the very least, achieve the body type that I would like to achieve. Rather than making it about the ableism, make it, a, for lack of a better phrase, make it about the vanity. <laughs> In this case, where the vanity trumps the ableism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I want, you know, some of the things you said that I want to just remind you that when you become disabled, because there's no if there, it's uh-huh. when, yeah. full stop, period. When you do, it it won't diminish your sex appeal. It won't diminish your... Of your, course, yeah. That And that is something, human. yeah. And that is something that I also have to remind myself of. Because you're right. Like, And, and uh, I think I've definitely gotten better at that in thinking that, you know, yeah, you're right. Disabled people are not le- any less valid. Disabled people are not any less you know, they, they are just as attractive. They are just as beautiful, you know, whatever, in what, they're however actually state they are. considerably hotter. So just so you know, <laughs> generally hotter than the rest of you, just so you know. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. And don't comfort me, the people that are listening. It was a joke. Calm down. But, but you know, one of the, the, really the only thing you said in your questionnaire, which, which was really funny, 
you, you said I want to learn how to be a better ally. So I'm curious from you. I'm curious from you, Lobo. What do you think? How do you think you can be a better ally to disabled people? And like, like, do you have any questions around that? And what do you think allyship means to you? Well, for let's start with the first part. Uh, how I think I can be a better ally, from what I think I can be, a, how I think I can be a better ally. Of course, I feel like you would probably have a better answer to that question. But I, at the, what I think I can do at the very least is just treat disabled people better and just treat disabled people as normal humans you know uh i'm gonna challenge that last part right there because normal is a weird construct that we've all created in you, heads, I, so. yes i yes of course but you know what i mean in that like just treat people treat disabled people like i would treat anybody else and i feel like i've uh i've done a good job of doing that so far and that like you know if you know if i find myself in a conversation and a disabled person just happens to be there like i try and engage them in the conversation you know talk to them you know uh make some form of physical contact with them to acknowledge them that they're there like i would yes, with anybody please. else whether that's like a shoulder touch or you know like an arm touch you know if you're just being like jokey that kind of thing but also i think you know <laughs> just so just to be clear and i'm sure you wouldn't do this without asking but some people with disabilities when you touch them it can be you know they, they feel like their consent's been violated so i would recommend oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. before yeah. you give them like that shoulder that shoulder tap just like hey is it all right if i do that like yes yes i course. mean if it were me if it were me you can touch me anywhere you'd like to it's not a problem <laughs> not a problem um and also remember that allyship is earned not appointed i see a lot of non-disabled people who are very well-meaning and don't mean any harm by it but they'll say oh yeah i'm an ally and i kind of go well cool where's the work to back up you being an ally and you're um, right and i and i do think that is a very very valid point and so that's something that i think that i'm trying to do as well is i'm trying to at the very least you know through social media just be more vocal about giving you know you and uh and other disenfranchised not disenfranchised uh no no yeah like you and other disenfranchised communities uh, those voices and you know in terms of you know through social media like sharing posts retweeting and that sort of stuff and kind of trying to push that into the into visibility um, in terms of you know ways to I guess do it in a more social aspect uh, being more inclusive of people of the of disabled people within conversations and that sort of thing you know and not just like not turning my back to them uh, if I, if they're trying to engage, you know, not, not dismissing them if, if they're trying to engage, you know, I would, I, you know, one of the things that I always say is not necessarily trying to just include them because, and I obviously do that. That's a, that's a great part of it. But I think another part of it too, is for non-disabled people to recognize their own ableism all the time mm -hmm. and to think of like, to put that word, like I see you on social media, you retweet a lot of my stuff and I appreciate it, but I like, you know, I'd love to see us use the word ableism more regularly and because disabled people know what it is. But yeah. most able-bodied people, when I say ableism, they go, oh, what's that? And so like to use your privilege as an able-bodied person to have a whole conversation about ableism might be really powerful too. Just like, hey, I'm not disabled, but we should still talk about this because it still affects us. Yeah. Too. Yeah, you're right. Um. Well, I had one last question. You know, mm -hmm. we talked, this whole interview was for us to talk about queer, queer, 
queer ableism within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think, other than what you've kind of already h- highlighted, how do you think we, um, we, we bring ableism to the table in, in queer communities? Um, having, I guess like having more queer people in positions of committee, like having more queer, uh, more disabled people in positions where they can have a, an actual voice. Uh, you know, like if you have like, and this, you used to see this a lot when it came to, uh, um, you know, like people of color and trans people is uh, in positions where there's like a board or something. And if you don't have the representation of the members of the community, then you can't really call yourself a community board because you don't have those community members. And so like, if you have like a board uh, and you have, you know, and there's 10 seats and there's 10 seats, but like eight of those are cis white gays how can you really say that you truly speak for the community if you only have two other seats available and they're taken up by your token black friends, right? Yeah. So I think like having, like sharing those, sharing those seats or maybe even expanding it to allow for people and especially disabled people to give them positions at the table, to be able to have their voices heard and be like, yeah, cool. So this event, this event would be great. How are disabled people going to be able to get in there? How are they going to be able to access various things, you know, like, and basically give disabled people those opportunities to voice their concerns for just the simplest things, because it's, it seems in general that those kinds of, even the simple things aren't always uh, adhered to. Well, the simple things, especially for the cis white gays, simply having a parade can be super ableist, simply having a bar with no wheelchair access can be mm-hmm. simple things that so many gays take for granted and queer I'm specifically talking about queer men right now queer mm-hmm. male identified people they just have a lot of ableism they need to work through and mm-hmm. I think you know hearing someone like you talk about this on this platform could also could be really helpful so I appreciate that yeah. um I had one last question as, as, as you were talking I mm-hmm. wanted to put this in there because it's important um uh you know you we also i think we talked at the beginning about you being bisexual mm-hmm. you're also a person a performer of color yes. how do you think there are and i think you we might have touched on this way in the beginning but i can't remember so <laughs> how do you think that um there are parallels between the discrimination that disabled people face in the community and you face as both a bi person and a disabled person and a person of color? Uh, well, I'm fortunate in that I haven't met, I haven't faced any real discrimination based on my race. Uh, so I can't really speak to that experience because uh, I'm fortunate enough that I don't like, yeah, I look, I definitely don't look white. I mean, my color is mm, my- Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> I definitely not. Um, but so, so yeah, so I can't really speak to that aspect of it because I, admittedly I haven't faced a whole lot of racism in my life, um, which is in and of itself, I feel a very privileged position to be in. Um, but in terms of like my bisexuality, uh, I used to, I used to get a lot of those scoffs and a lot of like the, you know, the side eyes, you know, people don't really believe me. 
Um, but I think it changed when I became super, super, super vocal about it, like on social media and like talking about it and be like, yes, I am bisexual. Um, I think it happened. I think the acceptance happened faster because I got into a gay relationship. And I think just people view me as being in a gay relationship. But because of that, I'm even more vocal about being bisexual. Uh, and so I think within with the disabled aspect, I think being just super out and uh, vocal about being a disabled person and explaining the experiences and explaining that sort of thing, I think is very important because the, the louder you are, the more people will hear you kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think in terms of the, the parallels, um, in terms of discrimination is the, the devalidation. I think it's probably yeah. the big parallel because when it comes to bisexuality, the devalidation is uh, that people don't believe you or that people are like, yeah, you're just, we're just waiting for you to, to, to truly be gay. And the devalidation in, dis with, in terms of dis being disabled is that, uh, is I guess a sense of the pity and maybe even the fact that you aren't welcome in certain spaces because you're not sexual and that sort of thing or that you you can't be sexual because I think I think a part of the assumption is that disabled people can't physically have sex, uh, which isn't always the case because again, or which isn't the case period because again sex can be so many things, you know just because yeah. you're, let's say for example you're a person who doesn't have a penis that functions in terms of like it doesn't get an erection, doesn't mean you can't use your mouth, doesn't mean you can't use your fingers like. There are so many things or like doesn't mean you can't take a strap on strap it to your leg and like have someone and like strap a dildo to your leg right Ride it. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like there are so many ways to have sex literally anybody can do it and so yeah. the assumption that disabled people can't i think is inherently uh devalidating and is inherently ableist yeah a hundred percent um yeah. Uh, I also think that if you became a wheelchair user, you, you know, your bisexuality would, would be further removed from discussion because. Because people would focus on the disability. Can, yeah. But the disabled person can't have sex. How can they be bi? I mean, maybe. Um, well, no, I, in that I disagree. I'm not, only saying because... I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that people are ridiculous and might think that. Well, in that I disagree because the bisexuality ha doesn't necessarily have to do with the sexual. It also has to do with the romantic as well, because like I can yeah. still like you can you might still have emotional relationships. Right. And so I don't think yeah. it's necessarily that people wouldn't wouldn't consider me still bisexual. I think it's that they would just forget the bisexuality altogether and they would just focus on the disability. I think that's yeah. what, I think that's what it would be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, look, this is so fun to sit down with you. I am really excited to finally talk to you because we've been chatting about this forever. So it was so nice to finally yeah. do it. Um, Has it really been a year since I started following you on Twitter? It's been longer. It's been since pre-pandemic. Has it been? Oh my God. I think so, yeah. Insane. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, but Lobo, how do people get a hold of you? How can they follow you? How can they support you? Well, uh, let's see. On Twitter, I am at Papa Lobo, so triple X. That's... Uh, P-A-P-A-L-O-B-O-S-O-X-X-X. -X -X. Uh, 
that's where I'm most active. I am on Instagram as well, but I'm starting to kind of steer away from Instagram just because it's uh, it's a sexist and homophobic Censorship platform. Censorship city. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am at underscore Lobo Bear underscore on Instagram. Um, quite frankly, the more fun stuff is on Twitter anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, and I have uh, links to my sites. I have an OnlyFans and a Just for Fans. Uh, if you want to see me naked and do stuff, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty nice. I've been there. Really I appreciate nice. that. Thank you. And um, yeah, and, uh, and generally, uh, if you if you if people want to reach out to me, I'm generally pretty okay, unless it's I just generally don't like those one word messages where it's like a hey or like it's like a hey you have a really nice dick and then I get sent a picture of like an asshole or a dick pic and it's just it's it's not engaging to me it, yeah. what, I, what I really like is when somebody like actively tries to engage in a conversation with me and then I'm more likely to actually give you a response otherwise I'm I'm probably just going to ignore it if I'm honest <laughs> um Tell me a little bit about your podcast and how can people listen to that? Oh, yes. And I have a podcast. So this is entirely separate. This is like separate from everything. Uh, I have a Disney podcast. What? Yeah. My podcast, it's called Dizcast. Uh, I do it with my friend Fairleth and they and I uh, talk about just Disney. We we started with uh, what we're doing right now is we're examining all of the major animated films, like all the major uh disney era so like there was the golden we finished the golden age we just finished the wartime era uh and then uh we're gonna move on to the silver age and then so on and so on and then uh yeah we just do like disney news we talk about disney stuff we talk about the parks sometimes um if but yeah, you need somebody to come on there and talk about like like disability representation in disney i have feelings about it <laughs> yeah in that like it doesn't really exist uh, yeah 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 no i know um but yeah and actually i'm really excited because the next episode that we're gonna do uh the next episode that we're gonna record is we are actually going to talk about song of the south and i am very excited about it whoa, whoa. yeah so we're gonna get we're gonna get deep in that one i'm i'm legitimately but I, super I just, excited i find it so i love the because your social media presence would not lead me to believe that you had a Disney podcast in any yeah, way. Yeah, like I have, like, I'm, I, 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 I grew up on it. I fucking love Disney. I love everything about it. Uh, I, I'm still very critical of the company as a whole because I feel like we have to be just, I, 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 have, the, I have the position of if you are a fan of something, then you are free to be critical of it because, yeah. you know, if you're a fan of something and you want things something to be better then you have to be able to call it out right and so yeah. it's like yeah and so I'm, I'm more than happy to discuss things about disney and i fucking love it i, I love nerding out about the the movies and i i yeah i just really, really like it all right well so, yeah. if you again if you need a disabled guest star to talk about how ableist disney is i'm yes. your person let me know all right, I'll definitely let you know about that. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're bas- we're just discast on all of the uh, on all of wherever you get your podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. Um, yeah, we we're also on social media. Uh, we have a Twitter, which is cat at cast underscore diz. 
uh, also on Instagram at cast underscore Diz. And then of course, uh, our Facebook is facebook.com slash discast. Uh, we put updates and stuff and try and stay as active as possible on those. And yeah. Nice. All right. Well, Lobo, that took a really, uh, that took a really non-sexual turn. Really, Yeah. Like, like a, a full 180. <laughs> a full, completely different from what we just talked about, but I loved having you on and it was so fun. Thank you. And I, I thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I genuinely really, really enjoyed this chat. It was very, very fun. It was very good. I liked it. I love having these oh, yeah, kinds of conversations. Great. Yeah, these kind of weird, like hypothetical, like maybe what would happen if, like it's, I think they're really important. So well, yeah, thank you but for- yeah, but even, not even that, but just like having these conversations and to help me learn and to help me be better so that I can be a better ally in various ways. Because I mean, like I recognize my own privilege. I recognize the fact that I'm, I'm a very privileged individual in that I'm, I am a conventionally attractive man. I'm fully able-bodied. Uh, I'm very charismatic. I'm very outgoing in the community. And, you know, like, so like I have, I, I recognize that I have a lot of this privilege. And so I, what I do is I try yeah. and use that privilege uh, as be- to the best of my ability, you know? So I do what I can. Awesome. Well, this is, a, I could sit and talk with you for like five more hours, but <laughs> but I won't do that here. Uh, Lo- Lobo, well, thank you so much yes. for coming out today. And we'll talk to you soon. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark. From me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, at andrewgerza underscore, or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do. And, of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021